0: Daily Digest of the Who, What, and Why of Waterloo Region.
1: Welcome to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Here's special guest host, Producer Polly.
0: Producer Polly, in with you today on Kitchener Today. Brittany, do you want to host the show? Because you seem to be in a lot better mood than I am. (laughs) You're dancing to the (laughs) the theme music.
2: The the music, Polly, just gets you like pumped up and excited and like let's dance.
0: Whatever you say. So, <laughs> listen, I'm I'm going to be very honest and upfront. This is going to be a little bit of a, a, a raw show today because we still mm-hmm. have a few things that we're trying to confirm. A couple of time slots that have are still a open, couple,
2: aka a whole hour and a half. Have... No, no
0: <laughs> Technically, <laughs> although I, I mean, two o'clock, I'm I'm comfortable with doing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it, I. I, <laughs> I, you know, filling in, and not used to being on the air. I like having everything confirmed before I turn on the microphone, but, but with it being live radio, that's not always the case. So let's, let's line up what's on the show as we know it. So at 2.30, it's our Tuesday Tech Spotlight feature, and we're not sure who's going to be on with that, but uh, that is on every Tuesday at 2.30. At 2.00 p.m., it's going to be open phones. But I'm going to be asking you, what is your favorite comfort TV show? So, you know, when you've had a bad day or, or, or whatever, what, what TV show just kind of makes you feel a little bit better? So that's happening at 2 o'clock. At 1.30, we're hoping to have somebody on to talk about the Titanic, the legacy of the Titanic. I've mentioned on the show a few times, I'm, it's a topic I've always been fascinated with. And uh, April is Titanic month. Well, not officially. Maybe it is. Maybe I should check my, my website because, you know, in addition to what day it is, sometimes they name things for month. But Titanic sunk in April of 1912. And so uh, we're hoping to do something. I can't talk today. Related to that at one thirty, and it, and and if we don't, then I got you know, I got some things in my poly pile, and maybe we'll take some poly some pile. Open. Th- that, oh, that's that's, fun. that's what Marnie calls it—the big stack of papers. <laughs> you know, little things. You know, because that, that's the thing. Always have something to go to, mm-hmm. and I always prepare for the possibility that the you know the phone lines are going to break, and I'm going to have to sit here and talk. Mm-hmm, which for, did happen, for like
2: th- not that long ago
0: a couple of weeks ago, it was right near the end of the show, I think it was uh, around 2.30 or so, the phone lines just went belly up one day, but I had lots of things to talk about so I didn't panic. So at 2.30, either Titanic or open phones about anything you want to talk about is fair game. At uh, 1 o'clock, Kitchener Mayor Barry Brevanabek will be here, and the city of Kitchener had a little celebration, a little event last week where they announced, you know, the return of in-person events. And so Barry Ravanovic is going to be here at one o'clock and, you know, the city of Kitchener hopes that in-person events will reignite that community spirit. So that's happening at one and at 1230, a, a, a farmer in Baden says that he is struggling with keeping his farm open amid the COVID-19 Pandemic, And so we'll be speaking with him about what that's been like and uh, maybe give him a little bit of publicity, too, because, you know, we can, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of small businesses uh, need help, particularly in the in the wake of the pandemic. So that's happening at 1230. Now, every day is a day. It sure is. It is. So <laughs> <laughs> today is national Caramel Day. Caramel Day. Yes. National Caramel Day is a special event dedicated to the rich, gooey, tasty substance that is made using the deliciously dark. Isn't
2: it caramel?
0: So that was one of the debates I was gonna have.
2: <laughs> Sorry, it... I didn't mean to steal well, your no, thunder, no, Polly. It's fine.
0: Caramel or Caramel. I say caramel. But you you're
2: I don't know what I say. Now that I'm like overthinking it a little bit.
0: I say caramel. Mike Farwell says caramel. So you have to pick a side here, Brittany, between farwell well, and caramel.
2: Well, I mean, okay, I'm thinking of like caramel corn. You wouldn't say caramel corn.
0: I sure do. Well, I call it I think caramel you're wrong. corn.
2: I think it's caramel. I think it's, I think it's all a
0: matter of personal preference. Tomato I mean, Do You tomato. call it
2: a, a. What's the chocolate bar? Car- caramel bar or whatever? Caramel bar? Caramel. Caramel bar? Caramel. <laughs> You know how, how do they it's get caramel? Where there's originals? They're caramel. It's caramels. Not a caramel bar. It's
0: a caramel. <laughs> is that what it's called? Now,
2: now <laughs> see. Uh, overthinking it, and now you can't figure it out.
0: About a half an hour ago, Brittany mentioned to me in the office. You ever look at a word and go, "I can't believe it's spelt like that," or it's such a weird <laughs> word when you think about it's caramel, right? That's is that the name of the chocolate bar? I think it is. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Anyway, it's National Caramel Day or it's National
2: Car- Caramel Day. Okay. All right, cool. Tomato, tomato.
0: <laughs> Farwell. Really. Yeah, Farwell says caramel. And years ago, when we were on the uh, Country 106.7 Morning Show, this was a debate one morning, and we actually went to Dairy Queen. Yeah. Here on the boardwalk mm-hmm. <laughs> to interview the employees because I mean, <laughs> they have they have caramel there. They put caramel on the ice cream.
2: And what the- they call it?
0: It was split. Okay. One employee said caramel, one said caramel, and the third one, she was from Newfoundland, so her accent, I couldn't quite figure out exactly which (laughs) one it was. She had a whole different pronunciation. It was a mixture of the two, so we actually came through that uh, that caramel-caramel debate undecided. But... I seem to have lit up the phone lines.
2: You know what, though? You can't, you, sometimes you can't trust, no offense, Dairy Queen, you can't trust them because half the time they don't flip your blizzard upside down anyways and give you the free blizzard that they that you're owed. You Did mean? you know that that's the thing? If they don't flip the blizzard upside down for you to make sure it doesn't like spill out, they're supposed to give it to you for free? I didn't know that. Yeah. I know they always do half the do time the... they don't even do it and then they don't give it to you for free anyway. Well,
0: have you called them on it? Have you said, hey, where's yeah. my free? And they won't do it? What do they say? Oh, yeah, I did it under the counter. They're
2: just young kids. They're just like, eh, whatever.
0: I would ask to speak to the manager.
2: <laughs> I don't have that kind of
3: haircut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've lit up the phones here. Let's let let us see what the people say. Ken, go ahead.
4: Hi, Paulie and Brittany. It's Caramel.
5: I don't know. Caramel.
4: Yes,
6: Mike Farwell's a good guy. He's a big Leaf fan. <laughs> I'm in on him with that, but it's
4: Caramel. Caramel would be C-A-R-M-E-L.
0: Yeah, and see, there's an A right in the middle of it. So, Ken is with me. Caramel. The phone lines are going crazy. <laughs> there's, there's still more days here. I haven't even got to yet. But we're going crazy. Caramel, or, okay, let, let, let's go to the phones. Lisa, go ahead.
7: Hey, so I I honestly think it could be spelled both ways, but if you want a definitive answer... Type it in on your phone or your computer and see what, if there's a line underneath and then your computer has told you what's
0: right and what's wrong. <laughs> That's a good idea. And actually, I think when we were on the morning show on Country, I think we did that. You know, we typed in the word, and I think even the automatic voice generators
5: had really? different ways
0: of saying it. Hmm. I'm going to try and pull it up here while we're... okay. The ultimate food expert oh, on this no, show. Oh, no, I know
2: who it is. It's <laughs> Kyle.
0: It is Kyle. Kyle, go ahead. What do you think?
8: <laughs> All right, well, let's put it this way. If you're going to do a voice generator, I don't trust them half the time because they're they're invented in America. And basically- <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I'm going to say, well, I'm going car- to say caramel, but uh, if I'm eating a chocolate bar, it's caramel for sure.
0: Okay, so... When you're eating a chocolate bar, it's
8: caramel. That, that, cho- that chocolate bar that you guys were talking about is caramel.
0: Okay. Right? Oh, yeah. caramel. Right. Oh, the yeah, chocolate caramel. bar. Mm-hmm.
8: And then and then it's usually caramel. That's how I say it. Caramel. 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 Yeah. yeah. See? Yeah, it's normal. All right.
2: Thanks, guys. All have right. You. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> the, I, I wonder if Kyle, I should have asked him, but I wonder if he mixes his ketchup and caramel together.
0: Don't even he seems like
2: that kind of person.
0: I really thought I was gonna get a definitive
2: answer from Kyle.
0: <laughs> I think I, you
2: did. He said caramel. So yeah, I think but, you, it's just not the answer you wanted to hear, no, Pauly.
0: he said caramel if it's on what, ice cream or something? No, he, if
2: he eats the, the that specific chocolate bar.
0: <sighs> Unbelievable.
2: <laughs> Andre, go ahead.
9: Yes, hi, producer Pauly. I had to call in uh I, uh, Brittany popped my ears uh, when I was thinking about producer Paulie dancing on that song, but you said it was Brittany. But then when she said the word dance, I want everybody to rewind and to listen to that voice. I think we have the next Canadian idol here.
0: What are we I'm talking Canadian. about now?
9: I thought... Her voice was just amazing. My, my wife loves to sing and I could you know, like Christina Aguilera, she loves to sing, but
0: Your but wife is Christina note, Aguilera? That's no, no,
9: amazing. Don't, don't don't go there. Don't no. <laughs> 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 don't start rumors. <laughs> no. Uh but anyway, uh Brittany, you hit that note amazingly. Oh, I hope thank you. You listen at it again.
2: I hope that when I audition for Canadian Idol Andre, you are a judge because oh, I boy. Don't. <laughs> Otherwise, I will not make it to the next round. What note are we All talking about? Right. Polly, I you sang won. in here right for you. I was looking at you. Oh, I undermine. don't mind. Was this today? Yeah,
0: I really don't great, remember this. Was this right
9: here, right now, when you played that song, I don't know, that pump-up song where right. she dancing, and you said... Uh, uh, about uh, dancing, and then Brittany, I think, was dancing, and then she goes, dance, and she hit that note. Okay. Like, I, I rewind it. it. was amazing, so I just want to share it with everybody to listen to that note.
0: Okay, Andre, let's get down to business here. Caramel yes, or sir. caramel? Which one is it?
9: Um, You know what? I like some uh, caramel
2: onions on my poutine.
0: There you so. go. So <laughs> caramel. There you go, oh, Andre.
2: He, he put the little poutine under there for so you, what? too, Polly. Well, because you're not a poutine person. Well,
0: yeah, why would you put caramel on your poutine?
2: No, caramel, caramelized onions. See, caramelized onions. It's not caramelized yeah, you don't onions. Put the onions in caramel.
0: That's not a thing. Just because <laughs> the word is similar doesn't mean that it's... Bob, can you help us out here? Yes, I'm going to go
6: with uh, caramel. Thank you. The uh, reason being is I believe Cadbury's
0: has a commercial... Mm-hmm. And they name it caramel. There you go, Cadbury. That's a pretty definitive, uh, pretty <laughs> definitive source. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Okay, I'm going to try. <laughs> I have one of these automatic. Okay, let's let's see if this works. I'm going to put this up. Oh, do you? Oh, then then do it. All right. Yeah. See. Yeah, I got then, it ready on the Burley. All right. Then here. then one of these automatic Google Voice translator yeah. things. All right. Let's let's see. Th- let's see what it says. Go ahead. Caramel. Oh, get out. No. This is... What is... uh, No, 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 no. Computers are against me. (laughs) Oh, Why is it... Anyway. (laughs) Do that again, Jordan. Caramel. Caramel. So now there's a new syllable in there. Caramel. (laughs) That's closer to mine than it is to... Okay, anyway. So I think we've exhausted this (laughs) Caramel. I think we've exhausted this topic with uh, no definitive answer. (laughs) It is National Caramel Day. Uh, It is also (laughs) Uh, Read
2: a Roadmap Day. Okay. Right. That's something that we learned not that many people know how to do, especially if you're a millennial.
0: Yeah. The road goes every onward, but... Where does the road, in fact, go? We could always ask our handy dandy GPS, but National Road Read a Roadmap Day is dedicated to going back before the time of such handy little devices. Instead, it heralds back a time when it was actually possible to hold, or hold a roadmap upside down, or stand over the hood of your car, or on the side of, on the side of the road to spread it out. Did anybody ever actually do that? I've only ever seen that in TV shows and mm-hmm. movies. You spread the map out over your car. All right, let's see where we're going here. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Okay. We're going to do our not-so-impossible question in a moment, but we do have Doug on the line. Doug, go ahead.
9: Oh, Paulie, I, I know you didn't get a definitive answer, but um, I, I okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going way back. There's a certain individual, comedian, uh, by the name of John Miner,
5: Yeah, I've heard Uh, the name. He
9: he appeared in a commercial for for, for a snack bar, Mm -hmm. and he had all the ingredients together. And I distinctly remember him saying, Caramel, you old smoothie. (laughs) All (laughs) right. I
0: think
8: it was Caramel.
0: So it's Caramel. I I think think I'm winning the, the argument here. Caramel versus caramel. Is that all
2: you care about, Polly, is winning?
0: No. See, you're just upset that people don't want to agree with you. Okay, let's see what Mary says. Mary, go ahead.
1: Oh, I'm not on caramel or caramel. I'd say caramel, but anyway. Okay. um, I'm on uh, never go anywhere without a paper map.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad... Never,
1: never, never, never.
0: I mean, I use my GPS, but I do have paper maps in my car of common areas.
1: They they don't always take you the, the right way. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, also I, I I I want I need a compass.
0: Sorry, what was that? A compass. A compass, really? You have a compass, like in your car?
1: Yeah, I've had the last. They're they're, they're there because um, you can you can make a turn and, mm-hmm. and maybe you're supposed to be going north. It helps me check if I'm going the right direction. Uh, if I uh, need, I would be going at north or northeast and it shows me south, then I know I'm not going the right way. Right. Especially when the moon and stars.
0: Right, yeah, of course, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Mary. I mean, I have a pretty good sense of direction, so I've never needed a compass, I think, while I'm driving. And during the day, it's it's pretty easy, right? Sun rises in the east, sets in the west, so if you kind of know roughly what time it is, you can look at where the sun is and figure out where you are. Of course, at night, it becomes a little more problematic. Mm-hmm. Okay, our not-so-impossible
2: question. Brittany, do you have one? Alright. The average person spends more than 200 a year, $200 a year, sorry, on this. What is this? Alright.
0: 519-570-2545. Out of town 1-800-570- 5715. And star 570, are not-so-impossible question once again.
2: The average person spends more than $200 a year on this. What is this? This is
0: Kitchener Today on City News 57. Producer Polly and Brittany in with you on Kitchener Today on City News 570. Brittany, one more time, our not-so-impossible question.
2: The average person spends more than $200 a year on this. What is this?
0: All right. Let's go to the phones jerry go ahead good
2: afternoon guys how are you good you have a guess
3: well i wish it was fuel costs, but
4: we know that's not no
2: (laughs) (laughs) more like a week but
4: (laughs) yes or a couple days for some of us yeah um i've got two and i'm having a hard time completely different things um i gotta pick one i'm gonna uh,
8: my first guess is gonna take I have another one that I think
0: is the answer. Your, your phone literally cut out when you oh, said it. Coffee, coffee.
2: No. All good right. Good guess, but no.
0: Okay. And what's your other one? Hygiene
2: products. No.
0: No. Not also coffee a good guess. or hygiene. Everything's product. a good guess. All right. Let's let's go to Steve. Steve, go ahead. Oh, how are you guys? Good. Do you have a uh, answer to our not so impossible question? Yes, I do. I'm guessing lottery tickets. No. No.
2: Hmm.
9: I
4: thought for sure it was.
0: Yeah. A couple more minutes here. Andy, go ahead. Do you have a guess? The average person spends $200 a year on this. Toilet
9: paper.
2: No. Good one. I think toilet paper is a little more expensive than that. Well, (laughs) true. Uh, Let's go.
0: uh, I know what Kyle's going to say. Kyle, just say it.
2: Is it ketchup? No. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it.
0: <laughs> okay, we have Walter on the line. He called before we gave the question, so let's see if this is why he was called. Walter, what's going on?
8: Yeah, you know, it, you know, First of all, I have to go with Brittany on the uh, on the uh, caramelized, mm-hmm. right? Because um, you know, she's from Guelph, and everybody from Guelph is always right. Yeah, that's right? true. So, um, it's like now um, yeah. also. Um, in answer, you
2: know, to your question, um, is it uh, movie? You know,
8: movie tickets? No. All right, it
0: is no, not not movie tickets. One more call, then we'll get you the answer. Mark, do you have a guess? Yes, I have a guess. So I'm going to guess um, music, like CDs or vinyl albums. No, not that. All I know, my guess off the air was shampoo and. Brittany said no, but it is kind of related to smell. What is it?
2: It is candles. candles. The average person spends $200 a year, and ask Marnie. I'm sure she goes to Bath and Body Works. Uh, candles. <laughs> I waited around
0: for 10 minutes for candles. Those things all smell the same. Hey, smell this one. It smells like lavender. It smells exactly the same one as the vanilla, vanilla fudge I just smelled. It's the same thing. <laughs> Time for the news. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570.
3: Here's special guest host, producer Polly.
0: Welcome back to Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Polly, in with you today. Well, this was an article in The Record the other day, Titled uh, I Don't Know What I'll Be Able That I'll Be Able To Fund The Business Anymore. A Baden Farmer Struggles With Keeping The Farm His Farm Open Amid COVID 19. And That Farmer is Brian Izzard, Owner of Two Calves Standing. Brian, welcome to the Show. Hi, Pauly. Uh, tell us about your business, Two Calves Standing.
8: Yeah, well, Two Calves
10: Standing, uh, Started, uh, I started it as a farm uh, five, just under five years ago. Kind of uh, jumped in with both feet. I have a background uh, more culinary. I had a, owned a restaurant in the centre in the square called Art Bar. And then uh, sort of evolved from there into teaching kids uh, to cook uh, through a business called Summer Chef School. Um, and the Summer Chef School eventually uh, became became more and more important to me uh, as I was teaching kids to cook to also teach them about where their food comes from and why that's important, how their animals are raised and how it can impact our community and the environment, uh, how it can impact the quality of the food, both from a taste and nutrition standpoint as well. Um, so as I was associating with local farmers, an opportunity came up to sort of start my own farm, and I, I decided to <laughs> I decided to go for it. And so Two calves Standing eventually uh, was born out of that. So,
0: And so I was, took a brief... Uh, look at your website. Do, do you like sell meat or not?
10: Yeah, we sell. I, my main business model is uh, direct meat sales to the consumer, direct to the consumer. So we do online sales. Uh, we do a lot of boxes. Um, try to build up a regular client base of people that you know choose to buy at least some of their meat uh, products directly from the, directly from the farms. So.
0: And and anybody can contact you, right? This is not like a like a restaurant supply thing. Just anybody can can contact you and buy uh, some product.
10: We do a few restaurants, uh, but for the most part, it's mostly about getting it into the end consumer's hands so they can they can uh, access some great quality uh, good qual- quality products at home. So
5: now, what
0: are some of the unique challenges in running uh, a farm, particularly with a farm like yours? I believe you have many different animals on the farm.
8: Yeah,
10: certainly. Like I mean, part of the point is to do things on a smaller scale. Um, and to sort of build uh, a network of food security. And I'm certainly not the only farmer doing that around here. There are quite a few others. Um, and it seems like most farmers, although they might focus on one product, have a little bit of everything of these, the small farms that are doing that and doing that direct sales, sale to consumers. Helps to build up um, sort of uh, resiliency to any challenges that might happen in the food supply chain if we have um, multiple small farms close to us doing that. And so for me, uh, yeah, but certainly doing multiple animals is, is much more challenging than doing one of the same thing. It's, you know, it's five different uh, feeds or six different feeds as opposed to one larger feed um, supply. It's keeping the animals segregated and safe from each other and uh, managing their, their separate paddocks. And I'm, I'm a pretty small farm here.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: Um, so in terms of location, that's that uh, the smaller farm makes it a little bit challenging to you can't have too many of one. Thing or it can overwhelm the land as well. So. Right, and I
0: guess it would be easier if you had animals that kind of all ate the same thing, but that's not th- the case in your case, right? You have to buy different feeds for the different animals.
10: To a certain extent, yeah. Certainly uh, I, most of my animals are eating a lot of hay and grass, so I've got a lot of, lot of ruminants. Um, so the, the, the sheep and the goats and the, and the cows all have hay as their main dietary source. Hay uh, hey, or, or or pasture and direct eating the grass directly. Uh, the pigs can't exist on just pasture, so they they need a little bit more feed, and the others uh, do get some top ups of other types of feeds as well. So there's there's a few different feeds coming in, and you know, uh, keeping those separate and safe, and buying them in bulk, and and uh, dealing with the outrageous uh, price increases that have been uh, taking place over the last uh, well over the last two years, but especially over, uh, especially over the last three or four months, and even more so since um, the crisis in Ukraine. So,
0: And that leads to my next question. Uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago you put a post up on Facebook. What was the content of that post?
10: Yeah, essentially, it, you know, I just put it on Wilmot Stronger Together, which is uh, kind of like a helping each other community page mm-hmm. within, within the township of Wilmot. And I thought just if I could reach out to a few people in Wilmot and just say, you know, I need uh, I need I need my my peeps, my local <laughs> peeps to, to support the farm and, and buy some product from me. And just buying a little bit of product uh, is kind of a win win situation, and hopefully can help sustain the farm. But uh, it went it went much larger than that, and uh, went beyond the Wilmot Stronger Together page and got shared to a lot of other uh, individual pages and other group pages, and uh, I hit a lot of uh, really big community. I was actually quite. Quite shocked uh, how it resonated with people.
0: Yeah, and so I guess, I guess this goes beyond your expectations, then, with it the response. Is, yeah,
10: absolutely. Yeah, I was, you know, um, in terms of, you know, we're actually kind of overwhelmed with sales, <laughs> and uh, um, now I'm now it's more uh, how do I keep up with the with the demand of the mm-hmm. sales, manager the store, as well as uh, take care of the animals uh, suitably at the same time, and. Um, And and provide enough product for the store, so I'm putting a little bit of a putting a little bit of a brakes on it, a little bit of the brakes on Mm -hmm. it to slow down the sales a little bit so that I can manage it and make sure that people are getting their products, uh, the products that they're hoping for, and uh, are happy with 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 what they buy because uh, the one time boost is amazing and it it certainly has helped um, in a critical situation, sort of a a difficult crossroads situation. It's helped us uh, helped us get through that. And the key here now is to convert some of these people um, into that are showing this interest in local farms to convert them into regular buyers, whether it's my farm or one of the other many amazing farms mm-hmm. out there that are doing this, this kind of thing, the direct sales type of thing. So, um, if we can get you know thirty to fifty percent of the interest that we've generated and turn those into regular buyers, I you know I can handle some of them certainly on a regular basis, and um, if I can't, then I'd certainly love for them to be. Shopping at other local farms as well, uh, you know, not necessarily for all their meat purchases, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, making sure that they're they're buying some, getting some of this uh, quality product, and helping to support the infrastructure that we need.
0: A lot. A lot of people don't know a lot about farming, of course, unless you are uh, a farmer. You were quoted in this article. The uh, your, your two biggest costs are fuel and feed for the animals. Is that right?
8: Uh. Well. F- Feed
10: is definitely the largest. Uh, land costs are probably larger than 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 feed costs. Um, so just sort of the the uh, I, I rent the farm here, so you know, mm-hmm. the rental cost of the of the barn and the land and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing are probably the second biggest cost. Feed is definitely the largest. Uh, land has gone up, but it's fuel and it's the increase in fuel and feed. I think that I was I was commenting on as being the the most profound. So even though fuel fuel is maybe not as large a cost as Land costs to begin with, the increase in costs in fuel are really sort of hitting our food costs across the board. Yeah, not just just with small farms, but with uh, you know large farms and grocery stores, and everybody seeing that seeing that happen.
0: Yeah, prices are going up kind of everywhere, and we've seen uh, you know some some businesses passing on increased costs to the customer. Is that something you're able to do in your situation?
10: I haven't yet. Um, sort of with that post, what I reached out. Uh, one of the things that I said is that I have in I have product that I've, you know, most of the time that I've been investing in these animals, the food that I've been buying and, and getting to the point where they're ready for, ready to become uh, processed for meat. Um, most of that time, I haven't seen as big a hit in the cost. So that cost doesn't necessarily have to be passed on mm-hmm. in those in those animals yet. Um, it'll be the ones coming up over the next little while that we're paying a lot more for all farmers are paying a lot more for feed and, and fuel and other expenses as well. Um, that we'll start to see even more of an increase, I think in, in, in feed prices, in food prices. So
0: I guess that this is something that's common to all farmers, right? Like this is a challenge for, for everybody in the industry, increasing yeah, prices. Large, large right?
10: Yeah. I mean, we all have, we all have different challenges, but, uh, Certainly, food uh, the cost of the cost of feeding the animals is is universal, for uh, sure. I mean, not and not just locally. I mean, it's it's an international it's an international situation.
0: So. Is there anything that can be done? Do you think to to help you know curb the 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 slow or the, you know in the rising feed prices? Like, are they going to level off at some point? Do you think? Well,
10: I mean, a lot of that just depends on what happens in the world. We certainly can. Uh, with a growing population Mm -hmm. um as as we as we try to create more and more the the, it's just essentially a supply and demand situation so the uh current current situation is a lot of a lot of wheat and a lot of um, uh other grain products coming out of ukraine and, and russia are are being throttled and so then the supply uh supply is lowering and People are bidding up the, the costs of, of those of those commodities um, that are available from elsewhere. So if that supply if those supply chains open up again and the supply levels level up, you know, come back up again, then probably the feed prices can either level off or even maybe start to come back down a little bit.
1: That's
0: great. Brian, thanks for joining the show this afternoon. Thanks, Polly. Brian Izzard is owner of two calves standing. And uh, that's a farm in Baden, and if you want to buy some local meat, uh, that's that's kind of what he does. So, um, yeah, it's I, I suppose everybody is. You know, we've seen prices going up across the board. I, it certainly, it wouldn't be anything unique to the farming industry, but every everybody is is struggling a little bit for sure. But I just saw this article in the record and uh, wanted to talk to Brian to see how. Uh, you'll see how the pandemic is, offend, uh, is uh, affecting the farming industry. If you have a comment, love to hear from you. 519-570-2545. Out of town, 1-800-570-5715. And star 570. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. The
10: sheep and the goats and the, and the cows all have hay as their mean dietary source and eating the grass directly. Uh, the pigs can't exist on just pasture, so they, they need a little bit more feed and the others do get some top-ups of other types of feeds as well. So there's there's a few different feeds coming in and uh, uh, keeping those separate and safe and buying them in bulk and and dealing with the outrageous uh, price increases that have been uh, taking place over the last few years, but especially over, since, uh, especially over the last four months and even more so since um, the crisis in Ukraine.
0: Brian Izzard is owner of Two calves. Standing, uh, He's a farmer in Baden. Joined us a few moments ago to talk about uh, how the pandemic has affected the farming industry. And and pandemic has affected all of us for sure. Uh, if you have a comment, love to hear from you. 519-570-2545. Out of town. 1-800-570-5715. And star 570. I, I, I feel a little bit better. Now, yeah, because the show is starting to come together at one thirty, we will be joined by Deanna Ryan Meester, uh, president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada, and you know Titanic. The anniversary of the Titanic sinking is next week, and it's a topic that I've always been interested in. So uh, hopefully, we will uh, have a little bit of fun at one thirty, and at two thirty, our Tuesday Tech Spotlight featured Charles Plant, founder of the. Narwhal Report will be joining us. Well, since we're kind of talking about food this half hour, I do have a few food-related stories in my hands. And, you know, at the beginning of the show, when I fill in, I like to talk about kind of what, what, what days is every day is something. Well, tomorrow, I'm not hosting tomorrow, so I'll mention this, that tomorrow is National Twinkies Day. So, uh, in honor of National Twinkie Day tomorrow, April 6th, uh, Hostess Brands is teaming up with GoPuff Delivery Service. <laughs> the the GoPuff Delivery Service to give away free Twinkies. If you want in, go to the GoPuff app that's available on iOS and Android tomorrow and use the code, all capital letters, free. Twinkies, twenty-two, free Twinkies twenty-two at checkout, and you'll have a chance to win a free two-count packages of Twinkies. Just note that there's a limit of one per GoPuff account and subject to local availability. So, free twi- What is? Do we even? I've never even heard of GoPuff. <laughs> is is that like a service that 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 only delivers fluffy things like Twinkies and? Uh, Muffins and stuff like that. So yeah, might get free Twinkies tomorrow on National Twinkie Day. Burger King is getting sued over the size of its Whoppers. It's fairly common knowledge that the burger you are served at a fast food restaurant doesn't exactly look like the ones you see advertised. Most of us know that these adverts are made to present the ideal dish, or a burger, but now four plaintiffs are taking Burger King to court over the size of their famous Whopper claiming that Burger King exaggerates the size of the sandwich. The class action suit filed in a U.S. district court in Miami says the advertised Whoppers that you see are quote based on false and misleading advertising concerning the size and the amount of ingredients contained in said menu item. Close quote. Plaintiffs also claim that since 2017, Burger King has made the Whopper look larger in its ads, and they're not just upset about the Whoppers. The plaintiffs are calling on all sandwiches, including the plant-based Impossible Whopper and the uh, christened witch <laughs> breakfast sandwich. They want Burger King held responsible for damages and legal fees. Well, that's pretty common, though, isn't it? I, th- <laughs> Should should that be, I don't know, maybe that should be illegal. That would be interesting. But yeah, so they're suing over the size of the Whopper. Although of all the, the fast food burger sizes, the Whopper does live up to its name. Of all the fast food burgers, the Whopper is by far the largest. Is there a nacho fries shortage? Uh, there was recently a story about the return of Taco Bell's nacho fries, and while they've come and gone a few times from the menu since their 2018 introduction. It seems that Taco Bell is having a hard time keeping them in stock at many of their locations. According to contributors in a subreddit, <laughs> there's definitely a problem finding them at their restaurants. One redditor writes, there are five locations with, within 15 minutes of me, and three of them have been out of the nacho fries for at least a week. You go to Taco Bell that often? <laughs> that you would know that? Okay. Another noted that they had them for a grand total of a week or less before they ran out. So, okay. So we're, we're, we're just going through a few food-related items here that have come across uh, my poly pile in the last few days. Because we are talking about food this half hour. Just a few moments ago. Brian Izard, owner of Two Calves Standing joined us to talk about uh, how the pandemic is affecting the farming industry and 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 he was saying it, it, you know, i mean the pandemic is affecting everybody but the situation in Ukraine too because it, it, you, Ukraine is known as the the breadbasket of Europe and maybe even be considered the the breadbasket of the world and uh, you know so a lot of you know wheat and stuff like that comes from the world's wheat comes from Ukraine now. Uh, two calf standing deals more with meat, but the, the whole the whole supply chain, you know, in the in the farming industry, is uh, it's all interconnected. So different industries do have an effect on each other. Uh, so, so I think that's all the food items I have, isn't it? I think so. Got a couple of more things. So we all try to get our steps in. Well, not all of us, but those, those of us with, with Fitbits, although I, I admit over the last month or so, I haven't been paying quite as close attention. I think 10,000 10, steps a day, is that the kind of the going rate most people try to, to reach? Well, the average person walks 6,000 steps a day. There are lots of ways to get exercise, and for a lot of people, that means walking. And it seems a lot of folks are doing all they can to get plenty of steps in each day. According to a new poll, 54% of people would rather walk to where they are going than use any form of transportation. You know, it, it, there's a plaza not too far from my house, and sometimes I'll walk down there instead of driving. 60% say they'd easily walk a mile before considering a different way to get to their location, but many folks want to actually see how far they've walked. 46% have used a step counter to track their walking. The average person walks 5,900 steps a day, although most hope to increase that by more than 5,400 steps. This year, as uh, for ways people go about uh, upping their step count, thirty-four percent say they take stairs, with sixty-seven percent saying they climb uh, be- between three and eight flights of stairs each day. Other common ways people get their steps include are exercising—that's forty-three percent—going for walks, forty-one percent, running errands at thirty-six percent, and walking their dog. Or other pet that comes in at 34%. Still to come on the show today, we have our Tuesday tech spotlight feature that comes up every Tuesday at 2.30 PM. And Charles Plant, founder of the Narwhal Report will be joining us at 2.30 to talk about his business uh, at two o'clock. We're just going to do some open phones, but there's going to be a base topic here. What is your favorite comfort TV show? You know, if you're having a bad day and and you just want to sit down with you know a TV show to kind of keep your mind off everything, what is your favorite comfort TV show? So we'll be doing that at two p.m. At one thirty, Deanna Ryan. Meister, president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada, will be joining us for a brief chat. And next week, the April 14th, night of April 14th, April 15th, is the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, a topic that I have always been fascinated with. And so we'll be talking about that at 1:30. And uh, coming up in just a few moments, Kitchener Mayor Barry Vervanabek. We'll be here to talk about some of the in-person events. Very exciting to have some in-person events returning to the city of Kitchener this summer. Time now for the news. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570.
1: Here's special guest host, producer Polly.
0: On Kitchener Today, we're going to be talking about the Titanic. Next, uh, is it next Thursday? I think it is next Thursday, Friday night, is the anniversary of the, uh, the sinking of the Titanic. A topic that I have always been really interested in. And I, I, obviously everybody is familiar with the story, but the, you know, how much do you really know? There's, there, there's maybe some little known things that maybe you didn't know and maybe we will get into it with our guest from the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada at 2 p.m. So coming up an hour from now, uh, we're going to be doing some open phones, some open lines. And we're going to be asking you more specifically, what is your comfort TV show? What, you know, what TV show do you uh, you really kind of, if you're having a bad day, what TV show do you like to just kind of, you know, curl up with? And uh, kind of keep your mind off of things. So that's happening at uh, 2 o'clock. And at 2.30, Charles Plant is founder of the Narwhal, Narwhal Project. And this email that uh, Brittany sent, uh, Charles Plant is a serial entrepreneur and founder of the Narwhal Project. Each year, he conducts in-depth Research to predict which Canadian startups have the best chance at achieving that coveted unicorn status. I'm not sure what unicorn status means. We'll have to ask him about that. Uh, But in Canada, we think narwhal is more appropriate mythical (laughs) creature. So that's coming up at 2.30. Well, the city of Kitchener held a little uh, event at the museum in downtown Kitchener last week to kind of celebrate the fact that in-person events are going to be returning to the city of Kitchener this summer. And Kitchener Mayor Barry Vervanovic was there and joins us now on the line. Barry, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks so much. Yeah, great, to, uh, great to be joining you.
0: Now, this must be really exciting to see a, a return to in-person events in in Kitchener.
3: Listen, I mean, absolutely. I think all of us recognize the challenge that the last two years have been uh, for uh, for everyone in the community. But at the same time, um, you know, recognizing that you know COVID has not left us yet, and that as we move forward, we need to do so cautiously and continue to practice good public health. And um, you know, if we're not feeling well, stay at home. But at the same time, uh, when we are feeling well, it's uh, it's good to. uh, get out, support our local businesses, visit some of our local museums, go back to live shows, and this summer enjoy some of the festivals and special events.
0: And what do these in-person events mean to our local economy?
3: Listen, they're, uh, they're huge, obviously, uh, you know, particularly as you start talking about the ones that bring tourism back. Uh, as you know, the, the hospitality sector has uh, been one of those that have been most impacted. And so, you know, seeing um, things like Blues Festival, Oktoberfest and so on coming back means that people are going to be looking to visit our restaurants, stay in our hotels and so on. And, and you know, in a typical year, things like Blues or Oktoberfest have millions of dollars of economic impact. Um, and so, you know, certainly those are important, but equally important. You know, they they create a certain vibe in terms of vibrancy and and quality of life uh, for for our community, which is which is important as uh, as we continue to uh, develop as a community.
0: So obviously, I mean, we have to kind of continue to monitor the COVID situation. You know, any possible variants that might pop up, and we'll have to deal with those. But in terms of in-person events at this time, are you feeling pretty optimistic as we head into the summer?
3: Yeah, no, listen, I'm I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, going forward. I you know, I think we all need to 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 pay attention to the the numbers uh, that we're seeing right now uh in the wastewater and and you know, even as you think about your own uh circle of of family and friends, uh you know, we're seeing a a, a little bit of uh you know, an upswing like we did uh in the post-Christmas period, which I suspect, you know, has to do with uh you know, some of the relaxing of the restrictions by the province. Um, But, you know, at at the end of the day, I think if we're all doing the right thing, I mean, rapid tests are available for us. Um, While not a a sure thing, they certainly provide an indication along with uh, following what the, uh, you know, various symptoms are. And if you aren't feeling well, stay at home. That's really the recommendation.
0: I'm guessing that a lot of the events are still going to be kind of paying close attention to any health guidelines that might be in place at the time.
3: Uh, absolutely, I mean uh, that that's going to continue to be uh, important as we go forward. Um, you know, particularly as you know, summer even last year, the last two years has has been uh, not as uh, as worrisome um as the, the the fall winter and spring can be in terms of the respiratory um season and and so we're going to want to watch that as we move into the fall particularly as we get back to oktoberfest time but you know as we look at the summer things like neighbor's night neighbor's day uh the multicultural festival coming back canada day rib fest blues festival those are all uh, exciting things uh, that i know folks are, are looking forward to and in the, um, in the meantime, you know, we're seeing fans coming back to things like the Rangers and the Titans and, and soon the Panthers. And just want to, uh, you know, uh, encourage folks to, uh, to support these things and also support our local restaurants and businesses, um, you know, as we, uh, as we come out of uh, or, or maybe move into the new normal of, the, uh, uh, of, of life uh, in, in this pandemic world.
0: I was going to ask you about some of these different events. Some of them I've heard about. Some of them I haven't. What is Neighbors Night about?
3: So Neighbors Night is uh, is really a new part of our Neighbors Day uh, uh, tradition that we started pre-pandemic. This year, it's going to involve up to a uh, hundred porch parties uh, around the city. The night before, though, um, we're actually looking at doing a, a larger event in Victoria Park to uh, kick off the season we've got uh, national recording artists virginia to vegas and delaney jane with special guest uh, rev that are uh, going to put on a free concert and it'll really be a way to for the community to kick off the summer season reconnect with neighbors and uh and enjoy a free concert in in this uh phase where we're coming out of uh coming out of COVID.
0: Yeah, so Neighbors Night on June 17th and then Neighbors Day the next day on Saturday, June 18th. How did that come about? What's the, the purpose of that, just to get out and meet some of your neighbors?
3: Yeah, so Neighbors Day really came out uh, as an initiative out of our neighborhood strategy a number of years ago. And it was really to find people reconnecting with their, their neighborhood and their community. So we've had a, a a number of events on those days, some smaller, some larger um, that took place uh, during uh, last year. We did a, a smaller version of these porch parties throughout the city, picking up on the the work that the Honerab and 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 uh, Schneider Creek porch parties uh, were playing in uh, in Kitchener, and and really spreading it around the entire city.
5: And
0: and Canada Day returns to downtown Kitchener for the first time in a couple of years.
3: That's right, and certainly very excited about that. With um, activities for the whole family and the, uh, and a large concert. Um, we're not, uh, we're not sharing yet uh, who that uh, performer will be for that large concert, but it'll, uh, it'll be something special. And we're looking forward to, uh, to sharing that in the coming weeks.
0: And one of my favorite annual events returns this year, cruising on King on Friday, July 9th.
3: I know. Won't that be great? I mean, it's, uh, it's been a c- couple of years uh, since we've been able to see uh, all those uh Wonderful old cars uh, in one place. I mean, certainly we've seen them in a little, you know, mini cruise events um, that have been in different places. But it'll be nice to uh, to see everything on King Street again.
0: Now I'm seeing here the Wayback Festival. Now is that was that something that was renamed from something else?
3: Um, that's right. So we, it used to be called Rock and Rumble, um, and so the Wayback Festival is really taking the Rock and Rumble event, which, as you recall, included. Uh, wrestling and motorcycles and sort of rock music from that era uh, and moving more to something that's uh, classic rock focused Um, and so uh, that's a rebranding of that and and something that uh, we think is going to be quite popular
0: And of course we have to mention the return of KW Oktoberfest, September 23rd to October
3: 15th Ziggy zaggy ziggy zaggy, hoi hoi
5: hoi Very
3: very exciting Um, you know, great to see Um, you know, our our German club and other restaurant partners coming forward. Oktoberfest announced that the parade is on. And so we're uh, very, very uh, excited about that. And and it'll be great to uh, once again uh, be the home to Canada's only Thanksgiving Day Parade.
0: Mayor Barry, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon.
3: Thanks a million for having me and uh,
0: look forward to seeing around town in the coming months. You too. Thanks a lot. Take Bear. care. Bye-bye. Kitchener mayor, Barry for uh joining us to talk about some of the in-person events, which are after a two year hiatus, returning to the city of Kitchener, uh, just some of the events. Actually, you can find them on our, our website, uh, kitchener.citynews.ca in an article that was uh, published on Friday. Uh, the, some of the different events though, this, uh, you know, like neighbor's day and neighbor's night. Uh neighbor's night, Friday, June seventeenth. Now that's at Victoria Park. It says kick off the summer with the city's first major outdoor event since twenty nineteen. Bring your lawn chairs to Victoria Park to reconnect with your neighbors from across the community, and enjoy a free concert, headlined by National Recording Artist Virginia to Vegas and Delaney Jane with special guest uh Reeve Moore. Uh Of course, more details are to become the Neighbors' Day, which is the next day on Saturday, June 18th. Residents are invited to join us for a neighborhood porch party from porches to driveways to front lawns and boulevards. Local musicians will lend their unique talents by staging pop-up concerts in neighborhoods all over Kitchener. You have the Summer Lights Festival. That's in downtown Kitchener. Uh, The KW Multicultural Festival. Returns this year. That's June 25th and 26th at Victoria Park, of course, Canada Day. Returning to downtown Kitchener for the first time in a couple of years, and uh, Mayor Barry mentioned there that you know there's going to be some live performances, but those have not been quite announced yet. Cruising on King, all of those classic cars will be down on King Street on Friday, July 9th. Uh, that's in downtown. Kitchener, of course, uh, the Downtown Kitchener Rib Fest and Craft Beer Show is also returning this year, July fifteenth to seventeenth at Victoria Park. The way back festival, Kitch, uh, way way back festival, Kitchener's annual Classic Rock Weekend returns under a new name. This year's concert will be headlined by legendary Canadian rockers. Stay tuned for artist announcements. So the, they won't mention yet who the legendary Canadian rockers are, but th- that's happening. The Way Back Festival, Saturday, July 23rd. The uh, TD Kitchener Blues Festival. A lot of people go to that. That's a big event in downtown Kitchener every year. And this year it's August 4th to 7th. Uh, Kids Park is at Victoria Park on Sunday, August 21st. And, of course, KW Oktoberfest. It's back (laughs) September 23rd to October 15th. Of course, the the main part of Oktoberfest is that week and a half there after Thanksgiving, but there is some, you know, pre-events. In fact, we were talking about it on the air yesterday, I think it was. The uh, Rogers Woman of the Year will be awarded in a couple of months. And that, I guess, really kind of is the first... Oktoberfest type event. I think I think that is in May or June. I can't remember the exact uh, the exact date of that. Of course, uh, all of our local sports. The Kitchener Rangers are wrapping up. They uh, they they now have. Well, they're allowed full capacity crowds. I was at the game on Friday night, and it was I hmm, maybe fifty to sixty percent full. And of course, on in a normal year. The Rangers would uh, sell out the place. Uh, well, at least certainly on a Friday night, the odd is the place to be on a Friday night. But I guess you know, some people are still a little cautious, perhaps, of of going out. And uh, so uh, the Rangers game on Friday night, again, about 50 to 60% capacity. And if you're curious about the mask numbers, I would say, hmm, maybe 30 to 50. Forty, maybe I. You know what? I let's say about thirty percent of people were wearing masks at the odd, on Friday night. If that's something you're interested in, I. <laughs> I haven't gone out to a mall like I, when the mask mandate was 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 lifted a couple of weeks ago. I went out to a mall that evening, and then on the Friday, like four days later, I went out to a mall and the mask. Because originally it was, about eighty percent of people were still wearing masks on that first day, but. On the Friday, just four days later, it was probably about 50-50. And it's interesting. I find it depends where you go. Like if you go to a, a a grocery store or a drug store, it's about 50-50. But I went to a a hardware store a couple of weeks ago, and two people in the whole place were wearing masks, including one employee. So it, it's really, it's, I find that maybe the most interesting part of the whole mask thing. It depends where you go. <laughs> I guess people, depending on kind of where they, they stand on the mask issue, tend to shop at different stores. I never would have thought of that. But, yeah, so local sports returning. We have the KW Titans, which uh, if you haven't checked out a Titans game, it is a lot of fun. I was at the game on Saturday night. And that was very exciting. Squeaked just barely in a win past London. I think the score was 104-103, something along that line. It was a very close game, very exciting game against the London Lightning. But uh, yeah, the KW Titans are on. And of course, the Kitchener Panthers. IBL baseball is going to be returning very soon to Jack Couch Park. And the IBL season has been extended this year. They have increased the number of games. My son was, I can't remember exactly. I think they added maybe eight, nine, ten games to the season. And uh, the first Panthers game at Jack Couch Park is Friday, May 20th. So really just a, a month and a half away. And the Kitchener Panthers will be back in action. They're playing, by the way, on Friday, May 20th, they're playing London. And, uh, yeah, that's their home opener. And then on Monday, May 23rd, uh, so their home opener is Monday, May 23rd. Their first game is Friday, May 20th in London. So, yeah, Kitchener Panthers, uh, always exciting. Of course, you got other things, Kitchener Market, the various community centers. Of course, it's summertime. you got to hit an outdoor patio and uh, just, you know, take in the weather because we only have nice weather here in this part of the country for really about six months And then it gets cold again. And, you know, of course, you got things, you know, the KW Art Gallery expressions. Uh, That's that's something that's on right now. And, of course, the unzipped at uh, the unzipped exhibit at the museum. And it is extended until April 18th. So just another couple of weeks left if you want to see that Rolling Stones unzipped exhibit at the museum, and the, the the signs or the advertisements I've been seeing for it say it cannot be extended again. I think they were saying the absolute latest that that can go on is April 20th. So if you want to see that Rolling Stones unzipped exhibit, it's at the museum. It's been extended, but only until April 18th. This is Kitchener Today on City News
8: 570.
3: COVID has not left us yet, and that as we move forward, we need to do so cautiously and continue to practice good public health, and, you know, if we're not feeling well, stay at home, but if, at the same time, uh, when we are feeling well, it's, uh, it's good to uh, get out, support our local businesses, visit some of our local museums, go back to live shows, and this summer, enjoy some of the festivals and special events.
0: Kitchener Mayor Barry Vervanabic joining us a few moments ago to talk about the return of in- person events. Uh, many popular events and festivals in the city of Kitchener will be returning this year. The mayor and members of council announced the return of in-person events on Friday. That was at an event at the museum. Still to come on the show in just a few moments, we're going to be talking to somebody from the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada about the, the legacy of the Titanic and even some of the Canadian Connections the Titanic has. There are a couple and we'll be talking about that with our guest Deanna Ryan Meester, uh, President of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada. Uh, Coming up at 2 p.m., we open up the phones and ask you, what is your favorite comfort TV show? I have a few of them and be interested to hear yours as well, your favorite comfort TV show. And at 2.30 our Tuesday Tech Spotlight. Charles Plant is founder of the Narwhal Project, and he'll be joining us for our Tuesday Tech Spotlight feature as we do every Tuesday at 2.30 here on City News 570. It's time now for the news, and we'll be back in a few moments. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570.
1: Here's special guest host, producer Polly.
0: Producer Pauly in with you today. Well, again, I've mentioned, you know, while I've been filling in here on the show for the last, I don't know, month, month and a half maybe, I think I've mentioned a couple of times that, that one of the things I've always been fascinated with is the Titanic. And not the movies, but the actual ship. Now, many of the movies that have been done over the years have been... I've been quite, I've been quite good, and uh, you know, there's, there's been some debate among the, uh, you know, people who are interested in the Titanic. Of course, which Titanic movie is the best one? I think generally the the James Cameron version, that came out in 1997, is regarded as the best one, and it is actually pretty historically accurate. It is a a pretty decent film. Of course, I have seen it. And uh, although I'm I'm more interested kind of in the historical accuracies of of the film as opposed to, uh, you know, the love story behind it, that is one thing I've kind of always wondered about. And maybe we'll ask our our guest about that when we get her on the line is because, of course, in the movie Titanic, you have Jack, who is third class passenger and Rose, who is first class and i wonder if jack and rose could have met in real life because if if, if you know cuz you've heard on the titanic that the third class passengers were kind of segregated to their their general areas so i wonder if that's one thing in the movie that maybe wouldn't always have been possible could, could a first class passenger and a third class passenger have actually met up, and of course, there's that famous. Uh, I, maybe you've seen it online. This this meme, of course, uh, at the end of the Titanic movie, Rose survives because she managed to, you know, find herself on a floating piece of wood, and it, Jack ends up sinking. And of course, people have tried. Have been arguing for for years. Could Jack also have fit on that? piece of wood. And, <laughs> you, you, people have, you know, pasted, cut and pasted pictures of, uh, of, of you know, could another person have, have fit on that piece of wood? And most people say, yes, it could have. But of course, if, if, if the two lovers at the end of the film survived, I don't think the film would have been nearly as good. So joining us on the film, uh, on the, the film, <laughs> on the show now is Deanna Ryan Meister, president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada. Deanna, welcome to the show.
11: Thank you so much. Can you hear me okay? I
0: can hear you, yeah. Wonderful,
11: thank you.
0: So, you know, I'm not much of a a boat or a ship person, but I'm always fascinated by the story of the Titanic. Why does the Titanic continue to fascinate people?
11: Titanic seems to continue to fascinate people 110 years on because of the fact that it's a human it's a human story. It's um, there's so many different aspects of Titanic that certainly people are very very interested in. Um, there are many different organizations of people who are more in a more more organized fashion talk about Titanic, research Titanic are uh, collectors of Titanic memorabilia, artifacts, et cetera. Um, it's one of those things where basically um, the disaster was a pivotal, unforgettable event in modern history. It's a living history, so people are always interested in learning about it, and that's people of all ages. What we're finding in the society is there's so many young people who have really taken an interest in Titanic, whether they've read books about Titanic or found something online or saw a movie or something like that, and they become very taken and interested in it and interested in it and it's very fascinating to speak with them because they often ask the twenty did you know questions. For example, did you know that Titanic had a fake fourth funnel that it didn't have the steam didn't come out of it? And that's always fascinated by them by things like that. So the story brings people together. I mean there's the tragedy of the people who were lost um, and their families, of course, friends, colleagues who who you know experienced loss; those who survived, but for many, many years after, you know, actually experienced what we would consider PTSD. Some some members, some passengers and crews spoke about it to their families. Some never spoke about it again. Um, it's it's all over uh, that Titanic information. It continues to be, to be memorialized today, um, commemorated in many ways, like uh, with monuments, museum exhibits, books, plays, musicals, school curriculum. Um, it's in art, music, song. Uh, Lego even produced a Titanic set in time for Christmas this past year, as you I'm, I'm sure you know.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Now Titanic was run by the White Star Line and the shipping uh, uh, industry was quickly changing at that time. What made these three ships, uh, Titanic, Olympic and Britannic, what what made them different than some of the other competitors like the Canard ships?
5: Well, that's
11: that's an interesting question because the three sister ships the, the sister ships in the Olympic class line were certainly very opulent. Luxury was the focus. Um, White Star service for all, you know, all the three classes of passengers who were on board. Um, There was entertainment and things that were I guess everything was, I would say, bumped up more than what the previous White Star ships would have provided or offered in Canard as well. But it didn't take long for the Canard ships to be doing the same thing and and other liners. So there are some that may actually feel that Canard ships would be comparable, if not more. Some people's favorite ship is the Titanic, others the Olympic or Britannic, others it may be, you know, one of the Canard, one of the Canard liners. So... It, there, was a, there was a change, of course. A lot of immigrants would travel, travel, and business people on the the, the liners, but this this was the start of go, going on a luxury uh, transatlantic crossing or a cruise um, for to, to to really go to, to, to see the world to go to, for example, go to the, to America to see the world, but to be able to really enjoy your experience on the liner.
0: Now, everybody remembers the Titanic as being unsinkable. Uh, Did the White Star Line actually make that claim?
11: Well, there's a lot of debate about that. Um, It is believed that an admin had stated that the ship was practically unsinkable, but when it made it to the media, the claim was was, the Titanic was unsinkable. So there was no actual claim that she was unsinkable. Practically, yes, but anyway. So that's kind of that's that's kind of where that where that is. There's a lot of different schools of thought on that one.
0: And uh, on the night that the Titanic encountered the iceberg, uh, many people may be surprised to know that uh, th- there were there were iceberg warnings being sent out by various ships, but a lot of those warnings didn't make it to the captain's bridge. Why was that?
11: Well, there are a few, different, a few different reasons. The wireless operators were actually tasked with receiving hundreds of, of um, wireless messages, either from, from the passengers themselves wanting to send telegrams out to family and friends that say, you know, we're on Titanic and this is what's happening, uh, to other ships, of course, contacting them in congratulations for their, their, their um, late voyage. So they were. it was a daunting task to try to manage all of it so some things did not get, come come through and make it to the bridge that pro, that possibly should have, certainly.
0: Are there any Canadian connections to the Titanic?
11: There are many Canadian connections to the Titanic. I'll actually be giving a presentation at the Nova Scotia Government House tonight as a part of their evening, the Government House series, um, to speak about Titanic's, um, you know, the interest in titanic 110 years later and i will be speaking on many different atlantic canadian and totally canadian connections to titanic um the there were several people of note on titanic who perished including charles hayes the owner of the grand trunk railway Molson, uh, Mr. Molson. Uh, there was a, there were art, there was an artist as well. There were um, the Fortune family was was on the was on Titanic, and only a few of the family members who boarded survived. Um, one of those ladies is buried in 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 Nova Scotia, in Chester. Um, George Wright and Hilda Swift Slater were the only two known passengers from Atlantic Canada to board Titanic. They were both from Halifax. George Wright. a a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and um, a person who was very devoted to community and the betterment of the person, he was um, a first-class passenger, and he was in London, England, before he boarded Titanic, and the day before he boarded Titanic, he changed his will, and he willed his home, his mansion, to the local Council of Women in Halifax, and it's still by them today.
0: Deanna, thank th- major
11: oh, contributor in funding to the first YMCA in Halifax.
0: Deanna, thanks very much for your time this afternoon.
11: You are welcome. Thank you so much for this.
0: Thank you, Deanna Ryan Meister is president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada. Would love to have talked to her longer, but she's as, as you mentioned, or as she mentioned, she is preparing for a presentation that's going to be given tonight. In, in Halifax, uh, on this very topic, Titanic, and more specifically the Canadian connections to the Titanic. I, I'm curious if I'm the only one who's just really fascinated by the whole story. Not necessarily the movies, although the movies are good, but the the whole story of of the real ship. Five one nine five seventy twenty five forty five out of town one eight hundred five seventy fifty seven fifteen and star five seventy hands free. I I you know because there are some people who are really uh, obsessed with, you know, planes or or boats or you know whatever. I'm not really I'm not really a plane person, but I've always been fascinated for instance with the uh, the story of the disappearance of Amelia Earhart and what happened then, but other than that, I'm not interested in planes at all. And the same thing with the Titanic. I'm not really much for boats and ships, but the story of the Titanic is one that, for me, has always been fascinating. And a few weeks ago on the on the station here, we were talking about some of those elementary school speeches that we gave, and one of mine was on the Titanic. So I've been fascinated with the whole story since I was in elementary school. 519-570-2545, out of town 1-800-570-5715. And Star 570, hands-free. We have Lisa on the line. Lisa, go ahead.
7: Hey, how are you? Good. Um, yeah, so the Titanic's one of those things, you know, you always kind of thought about. But um, I live out in, in Plattsville, and uh, probably 15 or 20 years ago, we were helping some friends renovate a house and in the older homes, they often stuck newspapers inside Yeah, and um, inside the walls. And there was three um, different dates and they were all just after the Titanic sunk.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, so I've been kind of fascinated with it ever since we, they didn't want the newspapers. So we have them, we made copies um, to give some friends of ours who are Irish uh, and, and also we have copies up in our, in our um, dining area of our house and a, a few years ago we went to Belfast and went to see the yeah I've the been shipyards. there too
0: it's great yeah
7: it, it, and we actually my husband and I walked down into the you can actually go down into the the where they floated the Titanic for the first time it's it's um there's these stairs down and you can go down in there and and walk around and it's just the most uh, it's it's eerie it's fascinating it's it's um it's really unique i i and we went through the the titanic belfast um which is this huge huge fairly new um facility um where they have all kinds of interactive things that you can walk through and and see and um, artifacts,
0: yeah, it's just a really, really fascinating thing to to spend time looking at. Cool, cool. thanks a lot, Lisa. The, 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 the in Belfast where they built the Titanic, there is a, a whole Titanic museum there. Although, if you do end up going, just you know, take note. They don't talk a lot about the sinking. It concentrates much more on the the building of the ship and what life in Belfast was like at that time. Because obviously they, they put their heart and soul into this ship for the two or three years it took to build only to have it sink a couple of days into its maiden voyage. So they don't really talk about that in Belfast that often, but they go to the actual place where the Titanic was built and you can walk right out on the, uh, on the slipway where the Titanic once stood. It is really, really cool. Jim, go ahead.
8: Yes. Hello. How are you? Good. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was down in Branson, Missouri, and they have a Titanic um, museum there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, when you walk in, they give you a card, and the card is of the of a of a passenger that was actually on the ship, mm-hmm. and it gives you a little bit of a detail of everything. So then you walk through the museum, and then you can see like. Maybe that passenger, you can see their their place setting or maybe their suitcase or something. Like, they got thousands of artifacts in there. And then at the very end, just before you leave, you find out whether you were on the door or off the door. Yeah. (laughs) If you know what I I mean. Yeah, whether or not you
0: (laughs) survived, yeah.
8: Yeah, yeah. And it it was really, really, really interesting.
0: Cool. Thanks a lot, Jim. I haven't been to the one in Branson, Missouri. I did know about... They do have one there. They they have one of all pla well, in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is a little bit of a a tourist town. They have some gimmicky things there, but the I think the best Titanic Museum I've I've been to was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. But they do the same thing there. They give you a card and at the end you find out whether or not you survive or not. Walter, go ahead. Yeah. Listen,
8: um, I've got two questions for you. Uh, maybe you and your and your crack team of researchers, uh, (laughs) uh, you can figure this one out. How many many millionaires went down on that ship? And was Molly Brown on that ship?
0: Yes, she was. She survived. And there was a whole uh, play that was done uh, surrounding her about, yeah, the unsinkable Molly Brown was her nickname.
8: Yes, I've heard of that, but I didn't know whether uh, it it was actually true or not. But... uh, um, yeah, I love everything, you know. Like Titanic, and uh, maybe you can find out how many uh, actually millionaires. With, I know there was a few, like there was, you know, the Guggenheim.
0: And, yeah, John and, Jacob Astor. Yeah,
8: Astor, but I don't know how many other guys. But uh, I'll leave that with you. Thanks.
0: All right, cool. Yeah, maybe I'll look that up during the break. But uh, there were quite a few millionaires that went down with the ship. It would be equivalent if uh, a plane of uh, full of millionaires crashed today Uh, there there were quite a few on the ship so if you have a comment we still have a few moments left 519-570-2545 out of town 1-800-570-5715 and star 570 hands free this is kitchener today on city news 570 it's
11: it's all over Uh, the titanic information it continues to to be memorialized today um commemorated in many ways, like uh, with monuments, museum exhibits, books, plays, musicals, school curriculum. Um, it's an art, music, song. Uh, Lego even produced a Titanic set in time for Christmas this past year.
0: Deanna Ryan Meister is president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada. Joining us a few moments ago to discuss the, well, the anniversary of the Titanic sinking is coming up next Thursday night, Friday morning, Sank April 14th, 15th, 1912. Of course, famous story. I get, I've i always been fascinated by it. Maybe you have as well. 519-570-2545, out of town 1-800-570-5715, and star 570 hands-free. It's one of those those things, you know, people have always been fascinated by it, because there were three Olympic class of ships, and Titanic wasn't even the first one. The first one to launch was the Olympic, and then Titanic was second, and then there was a third ship, which ended up being called Britannic, but the original name of it, my understanding, was going to be gigantic. But after the Titanic sinking, they decided to change the name because they figured that maybe the name Gigantic was just a little bit too, I know, maybe a little bit too much of a, an ego. So they they humbled it down a little bit, although it's interesting because when my wife and I visited the Titanic Museum in Belfast, Ireland, a number of years ago, I got talking to one of the employees there, Who have, you think all the employees there would be fascinated about the the Titanic in the building. I mentioned this to Actually, I think it was a I think it was an employee in the gift store. Uh anyway, I mentioned this to him. I said, "Is it true that the third ship was going to be called Gigantic?" He goes, "No, that wasn't true. It was always supposed to be Okay, all right. <laughs> you know, it, it's I'm in a um I'm in a little chat group on Facebook full of people who like me, really like The Titanic and, you know, they post articles about it and things like that. And it's interesting because every now and again, someone will post something and, you know, it was never promoted as being unsinkable. Like people get really passionate about some of the things. And now here is a little, a little conspiracy theory. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, but there are some people who think that the ship that sank wasn't actually the Titanic. It was the Olympic, because the year earlier, the Olympic was involved in a a, a minor, I guess a minor crash, but it involved a, a big hole in the side of the ship that had to be repaired. The insurance company wouldn't pay out the money for it because the White Star Line and, and Captain Smith was found to be at fault for that. So the theory is, in order to collect the insurance money, they purposely sunk the ship that has, was wounded. <laughs> that didn't happen. That, that, that conspiracy theory has been refuted quite a few times. But it, it, it's, it's, it's out there. Some people think the identity of the two ships were switched. Mary, go ahead.
1: Hi. I, I broke the speed limit trying to get home to get this call in.
5: Oh, okay. By Lord
1: God, help me. <laughs> right. Anyway, I like the T shirt when I was over in the UK. Um the Titanic was fine when it left Belfast.
0: <laughs> okay, saying it's not our fault. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's it? All right. <laughs> wow, that was I think that was the quickest call we've ever had from Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just one of, one of these things that, you know, for me has is, is, is always been, uh, you know, fascinated is the story of the Titanic. And, of course, it, one of the theories is because there was this iceberg and it was difficult to see because there were a number of reasons it was difficult to see. But one of the reasons is the, the lookout crew couldn't figure out where the binoculars were stored. They had they had lost them or had lost the key and some people wonder whether or not if had, had they had the binoculars maybe they would have seen the the iceberg a little bit sooner i'm not so sure about that because you were already in a very low light situation and i i don't i have i don't think that having binoculars up in the crow's nest would have helped in that situation but anyway titanic Fascinating, fascinating story. It's time for the news. And then after that, you can get your dialing fingers ready now if you want. What is your comfort TV show? What TV show do you love to curl up with on the couch? And you can just binge watch for hours or maybe you just want to get your mind off something at the end of a, of a long day. What is your comfort TV show? 519-570-2545, out of town, 1-800-570-5715 and Star 570, hands-free. This is Kitchener Today on City News 570. It is Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Pauly. In with you today, and joining me this half hour is Brittany Bordelon. So, no guests this half hour, it's just you and me on the phones at 519 570 2545, out of town 1 800 570 5715, and star 570. We're asking you, what is your comfort TV show? Mm-hmm. You know, a TV show that you can just kind of lose yourself in, binge watch. Uh, you know, the whole day or, or, or whatever. We do have a call on the line. Let's go to that first. Then Brittany and I will get chatting. Uh, Kyle, go ahead.
8: I got two shows. Yep. Okay. The first one is Jerry Springer.
2: Are you kidding me? (laughs) Why am I not surprised? You could watch that all day.
8: All day. And then the other show is Judge Judy. I love those two shows. Judge Judy is great.
0: Yeah. Judge Judy. I I don't think, I don't think she's producing new episodes anymore, but they're still rerunning the old ones.
8: Right, is, same, with, same with Jerry Springer,
0: right? Is Jerry so Jerry's not producing new Is he even still on? I haven't seen him for yeah, he's a while. got
8: a new show called Judge Jerry.
0: Oh, I've seen that. He's a judge oh, now. My yes. <laughs>
8: yeah. So then I watched that one, Judge Jerry or Jerry Springer and then and then obviously the one that he also produced was um Steve Wilco's show, his old, his old yes. security guy, right? Yeah, that I used to be
0: Jerry well. Springer's bodyguard or something like that, you know, the That's the, right.
8: All <laughs> right, I just wanted to say that Thanks, guys.
0: <laughs> Why you know, I'm never surprised by anything that Kyle says. Anyway. Uh, Jerry you know, Springer.
2: <laughs> we've been learning so much about Kyle lately, and I just have so many questions. I sometimes watch Mari, you know. Oh, no, Paul. You are n- you are not the father.
0: Although it's the same <laughs> thing every, you know, every episode. He, 20 years ago, Mari was a lot more neglectic, but now pretty much every episode is. You know, <laughs> I've been with five guys. I don't know who the father is. How do you, is this real? Right? Because there's there's a limited space that I a woman know. can get I'm... pregnant, you know, maybe seven days. How how are you with that many people in seven days? You can't even remember who it might have been. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so we're asking you this half hour, what is your comfort TV show? Maybe Maybe it's a guilty pleasure. As well, 519 570 2545, out of town 1 800 570 5715, and star 570. Brittany, do you have one?
2: Well, okay. I am (laughs) sorry. The whole like Jerry Springer thing just totally threw me off here. Like, like, I'm a lover of bad reality TV, but I can't even make a justification for watching one of those shows. Mm -hmm. Um, So, in terms of like scripted. TV, I, like Friends and Modern Family are the two that I can watch no matter what, and they like doesn't matter if you watch like the middle of season three, right? right. It's it's always funny to me because yeah,
0: each episode is an individual yeah event. So yeah. if because some sometimes TV series will have what is called an arc, mm-hmm. so it's a plot that that you know. Works its way out through multiple episodes or perhaps a whole season,
5: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah. So, like, friends I don't know, if friends did friends ever have an arc kind of? I a, mean,
2: in a way, little, they kind of do, this, yeah. There's yeah. Like
0: little things in the background, but, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah. And then, I mean, I, honestly, I could watch bad reality TV like all day, every day, like, yeah. I just it doesn't even matter what it is, you know, Temptation Island. Watching yeah, it, yeah, I have to watch the latest episode Real of Real Housewives. Island. Watching it, like really? all I- of them, I don't know what it is. I think it's just like watching these people, especially with the housewives, like them complaining about their life when they're <laughs> very clearly very privileged. So, so, what is it about Modern Family? My
0: sister loves that show. I've never watched it. Why do you like it? What's I think so great it's about just.
2: It? Um, the the just the fan the particularly I love the one dad Phil he's just hilarious because he tries to be so hip and so mm-hmm. cool and hang out with the kids and he's just like the stereotypical embarrassing dad that you're like ah oh, please stop <laughs> like, right, cool. it's so
0: funny so we're talking this half hour what is your comfort TV show five one nine five seventy twenty five forty five. Out of town 1 800 570 5715 and star 570. Walter, go ahead.
8: Yeah, so what is it? Are you talking about a scripted show? Like, it could, it could my, be anything. Okay, well, number one on my list would have to be anything with uh, that I hear Richard Attenborough in. Um, he, is a, he, he is by far the greatest narrator that There ever was. It's, uh, he does a lot of documentaries that you guys probably aren't into because you know you're so sophisticated. And, what?
2: Uh, <laughs> I watch reality to- TV. I'm not uh, sophisticated uh, no, I, at all. I really like <laughs> a good
0: documentary. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, okay. don't don't Walter. I'm a little okay, insulted. Uh,
8: okay, okay. <laughs> and then my and then my other one is my go-to one is Looney Tunes.
5: Oh really? Like Bunny, the
8: air- oh yeah, the Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner. Runner. Uh, I. I have it on uh, on a, a desk, and my kids—they, you know, maybe they're teenagers—and they've been watching it. And it doesn't matter what time of day, whenever, if I tell them a song, they come downstairs and watch it. They love Yosemite Sam. Yeah, they, they love all those guys, and we sit and roar. Okay, <laughs> buddy.
0: Nice Thanks, Walter. Yeah, y- Yosemite. Yosemite's no. Sorry, it was it was Foghorn the Leghorn. That used to always say, you know, I say, I what I say, I say, I what I say. No, Foglorn, fog, foghorn, leghorn. No, Brittany.
2: I think I know, who you're, talking I know about. who you're
0: talking about. Oh, there you go. Jordan knows who he is.
2: Yeah, I All wasn't right. like, I don't know. I haven't seen the Looney Tunes in so long. So I, there's yeah, very few yeah. characters I remember.
0: Adam, go ahead. What's your favorite comfort TV show?
8: Well, it was a good day when Disney Plus put thirty three episodes, thirty three seasons of The Simpsons on.
0: Yes, definitely. <laughs> I hear you, Adam.
8: <laughs> so that's my comfort show.
0: Cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I I want to. I was a big Simpsons fan back in the in the nineties. Like the first ten years of The Simpsons are kind of regarded to be like the golden age of that show. But it's still around, and I would like to at some point work my way through every episode oh on goodness. Disney Plus and they're still putting out new episodes so it's it's still going so yeah we're talking this half hour about your favorite comfort TV show Mary
1: go ahead Oh you're going to kill me Okay The Young and the Restless Really hey <laughs> eh? <laughs> Tongue in cheek my dear Tongue in cheek what what I did like about it I didn't have time to watch Watch it; mm-hmm. it's still going. I think. I think mm-hmm. so. Yes. And the whole uh, thing about it was, if you hadn't seen it for a year, you hadn't missed much.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Same old thing. It moves same so slowly. The, yeah.
1: This one, that that, and somebody's pregnant, and blah blah. Oh blah. yeah.
2: Every now and then, I'll go to my nonas, and I'm like, okay, who's Victor married to right now? You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working with a pathologist, and I couldn't believe he loved it. He <laughs> loved it, and you know. But I have to say, and I don't know if it's available, Hammy Hamster.
0: Oh, yeah, I used to watch that one when I was a kid. That was my first favorite TV show, Mary.
1: Oh, well I watched it when I was, yeah, I don't know,
5: yeah,
1: <laughs> in my 30s. Anyway, it's cute. I, if it was on, if I could find it, I'd still look at it. But, yeah, The Young and the Restless, my goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a joke of the day. Bye bye. Thanks.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, Hammy Hamster was a crazy show because it was it was a live action show. It wasn't a cartoon. So they would take this this hamster and put them and on a little them, boat. Put them on a little boat and float them down a little river. I mean, maybe it was a bathtub or something. For all I know, I don't know. But they'd take this hamster, put them on a little boat. I'm like, this is. This is dangerous. <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking that at the time, but thinking back at it now it was it was crazy. Yeah, but
2: Polly, like, what if something happened? Like hamsters are like ten bucks at the store. You just I go know, and get and know one. They
0: only live like three years or something like that. But <laughs> right? yeah, it was just <laughs> that was my favorite TV show when I was a kid. It used to be on every morning at six thirty a.m. and I would sprint out of bed. And sit in (laughs) front of the highlight of Polly's day. And and my parents told me, even when I wasn't even potty trained yet, I would go grab my little potty and put it in front of the TV (laughs) and watch (laughs) Hamster. (laughs) That's a little bit too much information, I think, for the listenership (laughs) to take in this afternoon. 519 570 2545, out of town 1 800 570 5715, and star 570. We're talking about your favorite comfort. TV shows. Tony, do you have one?
9: I most certainly do. My uh, go-to TV show has always been MASH.
0: Okay, yeah, I've never seen, seen an episode of that.
9: Never seen an episode
0: wow. of that. Wow, Paulie, no, even I have. Come I'm, on. I've seen it flipping around in reruns, but I've never watched a whole episode from beginning to end. Uh,
9: when, I, when I was in my early 20s, I had a roommate who watched it religiously, mm-hmm. and I would always say to him, Why are you watching that garbage?
5: Ah.
9: And he goes, don't knock it till you try it. So I tried it and I haven't gone back since. I, I just absolutely love every episode. Makes me laugh, makes me cry, makes me show every emotion that I have. It's just, I think probably the best or one of the best easily shows that I've ever been on TV.
0: All right, cool. Thanks a lot, Tony. I I know that um uh, CHCH-TV in Hamilton reruns a whole bunch of old shows usually during the day. I don't know if MASH is one of them, but maybe I will check it out. You know, it is one of those classic TV shows and and one of the classic finales of all time, and I don't know what led up to it, but mm-hmm. you, you know, writing out goodbye with the Stones on the on the grass there it was regarded as one of the big finales of all time. So, yeah. So we're talking about this half hour, your comfort TV show. And I guess I should mention mine. So I, I love these, these crime shows. <laughs> My favorite one is 48 hours mystery. Hmm. And so they take an hour and go through a, uh, Basically, you know, re, uh, rehash mm-hmm. a crime, although I think it's just called 48 Hours Now. Mm-hmm. Although years ago, I think it used to be like a news, like Dateline, which I know is one that you yeah,
2: like. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm I'm a fan of Dateline, and I tried to get you to watch it, and you could not handle Keith Morrison's I voice. I didn't like the
0: narration. And I maybe the narration, I think it's more the writing of it, because they dragged this thing out for two hours. And so I, I think it's the writing more than anything. And it's like, you know, she had no idea what was about to occur. Just okay. That's another, just, <laughs> uh, it bugged me. Just <laughs> get to the point. So that's why I like 48 hours. It's, it's quick, concise. And when I'm having a bad day, like as I have a bunch of episodes on PVR. I, I record it every week. Mm-hmm. So if I'm having a bad day... I'll put that show on, and I forget everything else that's happening around wow. me. I don't put even that think, show
2: on. Put a show on about murder, and well, suddenly a, your life doesn't seem so the, bad. That's
0: the <laughs> really weird thing. Like, I wonder if my wife thinks like you love these these murder crime shows. Are you plotting something I'm not aware <laughs> of? Like, I'm just, I wonder what's going through her mind sometimes when I'm watching these shows. But yeah, I can. I don't even think about looking at my phone. I'm just completely like tunnel vision, just me and the TV. And uh, it, it, yeah, it, whenever I'm having a bad day, I'll throw on an episode of Forty Eight Hours. So that's that's one of mine. We're talking about our favorite comfort TV shows at five one nine five seventy twenty five forty five, out of town one eight hundred five seventy fifty seven fifteen, and Star five seventy. Tom, go ahead.
6: How are you? Good. Well, right now. I don't know, like, uh, I've been watching uh, Outlander because it has a storyline and it's got uh, uh, characters uh, and uh, uh, relationships in it that goes back and forth. So mm-hmm. that's the one right now. Like, usually I would like stuff that has a a storyline, not just, uh, like, if you get a lot of the Marvel uh Ones, you know, all they have is uh, you might as well watch a cartoon, the
5: special Mm -hmm. uh,
6: sequence and the special effects. It's way too much. So basically, like, there's really too many cop shows and and, and there's only so much crime that can happen.
5: Yeah.
6: All right. So listen, it's good that you're uh, doing the show like there. A lot of these other guys, you don't want to go there. I mean, I I keep criticizing you guys. You should take over.
0: That's very nice, Tom. Thanks very much. (laughs) So Tom's favorite uh, comfort TV show is Outlander. My wife is currently watching Outlander, and she is watching the show and reading the book, and she she has a group of friends that she met online, and they... Mm -hmm chat once a week, kind of, they're kind of all reading the book together in sequence and they get together and chat about the latest, uh, you know,
2: like how the book is versus the show.
0: Yeah. So I think she, I think she reads the book first and then watches the TV show, but she was Mm -hmm. telling me what it's about. It actually sounds interesting. It's about a, I I think it's, is it a woman or a man There's like a time travel thing there. I think it's, is it a woman who time travels back to the 1700s or whatever? And then it's, it sounds interesting. I might actually watch it. I know I really didn't. That was really,
2: a very I, glowing yeah, endorsement. I didn't Polly. really
0: do a good job at selling it there, but it's something about time traveling. Back oh, to this, good. Yeah, I, I'm terrible. Okay, let's, let's go back to the phones. Matthew, go ahead.
8: Hi. um. I just want to say thank you for mentioning Hammy Hamster. Yeah.
10: I have been looking for that program, trying to remember what it was called for about five or six years now, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you started mentioning
8: it, I remembered it absolutely. Thank you. I know what I'm watching tonight.
0: All right. Maybe there's (laughs) some old episodes on YouTube or whatever, Mm -hmm. but uh, every episode, I think the episodes were only like five minutes long or whatever, but every episode ended with, but that's. another story. <laughs> yeah, Hammy Hamster. There you go. Steve, go ahead.
8: Yeah, the show I like watching is uh, Chicago Fire. Okay, yeah, I've
0: never watched that one. Yeah. is, is that about a, yeah. I'm assuming that's about the Chicago Fire Department. Yes. Right, because they have Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and then there's another one.
1: I should uh, know this uh, because it's on City Chicago TV.
0: <laughs> Beg your pardon? Chicago Med, Chicago yeah. Med. All right, cool. So, so why do you like that one?
11: I just,
8: I just enjoy it. It's entertaining. It has some action sequences in it. It's not bad. I enjoy it. All right, and cool. It's brainless.
0: <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks a lot. So, yeah, Steve likes Chicago Fire. So, yeah, I should have, I should have known all those because they're on City TV. They're all in back to back to back. Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So we're talking about your favorite comfort TV shows. Which TV show could you binge watch or or just really lose yourself in? Let's go to one more before the break. Rudy, go ahead.
8: Yeah, the gentleman just uh, mentioned uh, Chicago uh, Fire. Yeah. The one I like watching on Crave right now is Chicago PD. I I really enjoy it.
0: Okay, cool.
8: Yeah, my my girlfriend at the same time upstairs is watching Chicago Med.
0: All right, cool. All right, well, at the same time. Well, there you—you you, guess you can't watch the same show together. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about your favorite comfort TV shows. Here come the numbers. This is Kitchener today on City News Five Seventy.
5: Wait, what is this? Oh, is this Mash?
0: <laughs> See, I know. back to Kitchener today on City News 570. We've been talking about your favorite comfort TV shows. Another one of the... Okay, I think Brittany, you would agree with me, these house shows there's a, and there's a million of them mm-hmm. out there. Whether whether people are, are looking for a house or the ones... The, the rental ones are the ones that really get me.
2: That you like them? Yeah, but it's, the problem
0: with it is is once you've watched the first 2 minutes you have to watch the whole thing cuz you got to see how the how it ends uh, cuz i don't want to what you're not like that yeah i don't know i don't really watch those
2: shows really what i know and those are probably like The shows that I should watch and are probably more useful Uh than, like, watching Real Housewives or something. Yeah, yeah, you learn some stuff. Yeah, but I would rather just see, like, the before and after. I don't want to see the, like, oh, what are we going to do? We ran out of tape. Like, I don't like the stuff that goes on in between. Just, wow. Just show me the before and after.
0: See, I'm the opposite. Once I've watched the first two minutes, I have to watch the whole thing because I'm like, I need to know. (laughs) Are they going to love it or list it? I need to know this because I'm sucked in (laughs) after the first two minutes. So, oh, I I really thought that you would have been into the house shows. I I am shocked.
2: I know. (sighs) Like I said, probably should watch that stuff as opposed to bad reality TV. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, Time now for the news. Then
0: after that, it's our Tuesday tech spotlight feature. Charles Plant, founder of the Norwall Project, will be with us. This is Kitchener today on City News Five Seventy. Welcome back to Kitchener today on City News Five Seventy. Producer Polly, in with you. This afternoon. Well, it is our Tuesday Tech Spotlight feature, and we're joined by Charles Plant. Now, he is described as a serial entrepreneur and founder of the Narwhal Project. Each year, he conducts in depth research to predict which Canadian startups have the best chance at achieving that coveted unicorn status well let's let's start right there, Charles. What does it mean to have unicorn status in the tech world?
4: Well, it used to mean a lot more than it does now, but uh, it's for private companies that have got a valuation of over a billion dollars mm-hmm. and the uh, the somebody kept, started tracking unicorns a bunch of years ago, and it was pretty rare then companies went public earlier now you know really a dime a dozen there must be four hundred or more American companies that are unicorns and Maybe a thousand overall uh, in the system, but until recently, Canada had very few of them. Mm-hmm. And so, um,
0: what exactly do you do at the Narwhal Project then?
4: Well, we sort of take a finance lens and act as an accelerator and help people with their financial strategy. So we work to um, help them figure out uh, you know what their long term strategy for growth is, how to finance that, where to get the capital and help them through the stages of growth that uh, tries to get them to become unicorns. The other thing we do is we do a lot of research to figure out what the best way of doing that is. So we spent around six years doing research into what it takes to create a unicorn, and uh, part of that was keeping track of Canadian leading companies so I could use them as, um, as a way of getting data, and so that's been really useful. So that created the narwhal list uh, about six years ago.
0: So, so it, it takes about six years for a startup to be determined whether or not it would reach unicorn status. Is that right then?
4: No, no, it can, it can be as early as two or three years. If you're really good, um, we're doing it a lot faster now than we used to. For instance, the number one in Canada is Dapper Labs and they were founded in 2018, uh-huh. Vancouver based company, um, that's behind CryptoKitties. So, you know, that's a four-year-old company that's uh, got $607 million of funding so far. Um,
0: so what kind of metrics do you look at to determine uh, which companies might reach that uh, milestone?
4: Well, this is something I've been trying to figure out over, over a while. And, and uh, I don't know if I have it right yet, but I look at three primary metrics. The first is uh, financial velocity, which is how fast they raise money. Uh, basically, the faster you raise money, the, um, the ha- faster the chance you have of becoming a unicorn. And Dapper Labs is a good example there with raising $607 million in in four years. Um, Nexi is another one. It's it's raised $85 million in two years. So speed of raising money. Mm-hmm. The second thing is uh, your growth rate. Uh, and your growth rate... Um, you know typically these companies are growing at more than 100 percent, even when they're at 50 to 100 million dollars in revenue. And if they're smaller, they've got to be growing at 200, 300 percent. And that propels them towards becoming unicorns. And, and the third thing is their absolute size in terms of number of people or, or revenue. The thing is that you know, companies become attractive because of their growth potential, and so people are looking for signals of that growth. And so that's what I'm trying to look at as well through the Narwhal list is what the signals of growth are showing for a company and um, to try and track whether they have what it takes to um, to succeed in the long run. How many companies
0: right now are at that? Is it a billion dollars evaluation? Is that right?
4: Yeah, a billion dollars valuation, billion dollars U.S. Yeah. In Canada, I think we do we have nineteen now. I, in fact, it changes so often that I haven't tra- trouble keeping track. I think the last time I looked, it was seventeen. Then somebody else told me it was nineteen. Mm-hmm. But um, at at the end of the year, I think the uh, there were seventeen. So maybe it is up to nineteen now. I noticed
0: that apply Board, which is based here in Waterloo, is at number three on the list.
4: Yep, they're they're uh, a real winner. That company's had a great trajectory over the. A few years, they found a a market that they had uh, experience in that was in high demand, and they exploited that by raising, you know, $483 million. So in seven years, they've gotten themselves to uh, unicorn status.
0: And how long has the Narwhal Project been around?
4: Well, you know, I guess for about six years. We didn't actually start working with companies until this year. Uh, We were doing it more loosely as a research project. And uh, it was that research that, that founded what we think are the, which enabled us to find the things that are ingredients for success of a company. Uh, that,
0: sounds re- that sounds really interesting. It sounds a little bit different than uh, some of the traditional uh, uh, tech companies that we have uh, on this segment. You, you're, you're helping other tech companies instead of, no. oh, right?
4: Well, and the, and the reason for that is I, I uh, co-founded a software company. Mm-hmm. Quite a few years ago now and, and was CEO of that for 15 years. And when I left it, I really didn't understand what I was doing. I really didn't know how, how to create a world-class company. And I, I tried working for other world-class companies or other companies, period, hoping that one would become world-class and I'd learn something. Never did, because Canada really didn't produce many for many years. Um, and so I started doing research saying, well, I'm not learning this way. Let me find another way to, to work. And so uh, I was with U of T for about um, six years, and I've also worked as a venture capitalist in investment banking. Mm -hmm. And so I've had all sorts of different perspectives, but it was really the research into what it takes to become a massive company that that affected uh, what I do now. And so, yeah, we are a bit different. We help other companies. We we invest in and work with other companies to propel them to those levels, hopefully, um, based upon what we found. All right, Charles, thanks very much for your
0: time this afternoon.
4: Thanks. Great chatting with you.
0: Thank you. Charles Plant is founder of the Narwhal Project, and uh, the, 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 he's a serial entrepreneur and founder of the Narwhal Project. Each year he conducts in-depth research to protect which Canadian startups have the best chance of achieving that coveted unicorn status, and that unicorn status is if you have, uh, I believe he said it was an evaluation of a billion dollars is is that right so not many companies, particularly in Canada, have achieved that status and uh, yes, yeah, so that sounds really interesting. I was looking on um on Wikipedia about the narwhal because i didn't know if that was a a mythical creature. it is real. The narwhal, also known as a narwhal, whale, is a medium sized tooth whale that, possess, that that possesses a large tusk. From a protruding canine tooth, it lives year-round in the Arctic waters of Greenland, Canada, and Russia. And if you saw a picture of it, you'd, you'd recognize it. It basically looks like a whale with a huge sword thing kind of sticking out from its nose. And yeah, so that's that's a narwhal. So yeah, there you go. Charles Plant, founder of the Narwhal Project, on our Tuesday Tech Spotlight. This. Is Kitchener Today on City News 570. It is Kitchener Today on City News 570. Producer Pauly in with you today. Well, we started off because at the beginning of the show, we always talk about what day it is. And there's a couple of days that I just, we didn't have a time to get to. So (laughs) today, Tuesday, April 5th, it's uh, National Go for Broke Day. It's time to do that one thing you've always wanted but never gotten the courage to do. Go for broke and push your fears aside to achieve your dreams. And on that page, there was a picture of a guy putting in a bunch of uh, poker chips, you know, going all in. (laughs) Sometimes I like to do that if I'm... If I'm gambling and it's going to be my last one of the night, I'll just I'll put it all in and see if see what happens. It's also National Deep Dish Pizza Day. Pizza lovers far and wide will be making the most of National Deep Dish Pizza Day. This is just a holiday for those admirers of a thick, tasty crust filled with delicious toppings and baked to perfection. Uh, the city of Chicago is well known for its deep dish pizza. And if, it's Chicago style. And if you've never had a Chicago deep dish pizza, it's something that I think you should do once in your lifetime. I found that there was, it was a little bit too much bread. That crust was thick. And just a small little, you know, small little individual-sized pizza had, to, I think it was like five pounds. It was it <laughs> it was it was heavy. But, yeah, it is a National Deep Dish Pizza Day. At 12.30, we talked to Brian Izzard. He's owner of Two Calfs Standing. Uh, he was talked about in an article on The Record recently about the, the challenges that farming has uh, has gone through during the pandemic. At 1 o'clock, Kitchener Mayor Barry Vervanabic joined us to go over the, the exciting announcement that the city of Kitchener was making on Friday. basically, to, basically just the return of in-person events. Many popular events and festivals in the city of Kitchener will be returning this year to in-person events. And uh, Mayor Barry Vravenevich joined us to talk about some of those various events happening this year. Of course, Oktoberfest is intended to return to in-person celebrations this year, including the parade, the Oktoberfest parade, of course, every Thanksgiving Monday. Uh, at 1.30, we talked about the titanic i 'm going to come back to that in a moment there's a few I want to talk a little bit more about that, so i 'll skip over that we 'll come back to it at two o'clock. We did some open phones asked you what was your favorite comfort t v show and that was a lot of fun and We just finished off with our Tuesday tech spotlight with Charles Plant, founder of the Narwhal project, and it is a company that helps other tech companies achieve that coveted unicorn status. And that is to be valued at over a billion dollars. Not many Canadian companies, tech companies can say that, but the Narwhal Project is helping out with that. So at one thirty, we were joined by Deanna Ryan Meister, president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada. And uh, next Thursday is the anniversary of the Seeking of the Titanic, a story that I've always been fascinated with. And I always wonder, you know, because the Titanic was the second ship in the three, you know, they had three ships. They had the Olympic, Titanic, and Britannic. And the Titanic was the second ship to launch. And so not many people paid attention to it at the time because the Olympic got all the spotlight the year before. But the Titanic, I think, became more fascinating, more interest in the wake of what happened afterwards. And then the Britannic, which was the third ship. It's really interesting because the of the three ships, the Olympic was the only one that had any sort of a real career sailing the seas. The Olympic ended up sailing, I think, until the early 1930s when it was commissioned. And the Britannic was turned into a hospital ship. In uh, World War One, and was struck down. Well, there's a little bit of debate about exactly what happened, but I think it hit a, a an underground mine and uh, sank uh, during World War One while it was being a a hospital ship. So yeah, the the Olympic was the only ship of the three that really turned into a, a had any kind of a career. But um, you know, it's interesting because when the Titanic started, you know, the the, the three Olympic ships. They, Because there were rumors that the Titanic was trying to set a, a speed record on its maiden voyage between Europe and North America. And that, that's been a little bit disputed. The, in reality, the Titanic never had a, any sort of a, a chance at breaking that record because the, 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 the White Star Line's big competitor at that time, was Cunard. And Cunard went out for its speed. We'll get you from Europe to uh, North America and vice versa the fastest, but the White Star Line decided to go out for its luxuries. And so warm running water in certain cabins and exercise rooms and uh, you know, elegant meals and things like that, it really kind of a, a precursor to what you, maybe you would consider to be a cruise ship today so the the white star line went out uh, for its 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 luxuries as opposed to its speed and many people remember the titanic as being unsinkable the the white star line which which ran the titanic never actually promoted it as being unsinkable i think at one point they said it was practically unsinkable but th- that got kind of misconstrued uh, you know, in, in reports and things to saying that it actually was unsinkable. And, uh, you know, of course the iceberg, which it didn't see on its maiden voyage until it was too late. There was, there were a number of factors that led to that. There was, I believe there was a new moon that night. So there was no moon in the sky at all to even light things up even a little bit. And there was, it was a very calm night. On the seas of of April fourteenth, fifteenth, nineteen twelve, and it was unusual. It was very unusually uh, calm. Because normally there'd be a little bit of, you know, rippling water to help break across the uh, the base of the iceberg, and there was none of that, and so that didn't uh, that didn't help either. Uh, one of the reasons Titanic was thought to be uh, unsinkable because it had the the these watertight compartments. And it was built that if, I think, was it any three of the first five compartments could be filled and the ship wouldn't sink. But one of the problems with those watertight compartments is that they didn't reach all the way to the top. I don't know whether that was a a building design flaw or what, but uh, that certainly uh, wouldn't have helped. Um, something that maybe a lot of people didn't know, because I think maybe it's a bit of a misconception that the... Uh, so many lives were lost because Titanic didn't have enough lifeboats. It actually did have enough lifeboats. It actually exceeded the number of lifeboats required. Uh, the way the regulations worked at the time is the number of lifeboats required was based on the gross tonnage of the ship. And the regulations prior to the Titanic sinking were last updated in the late 18. 18- hundreds. And the shipping, the size of ships were were really increasing quite rapidly at that time. But the number of lifeboats was based on the size of the ship or the gross tonnage of the ship. And the top tier topped out at, I believe it was 10,000 tons, which was the largest they ever figured a ship would get. Well, the Titanic was 46,000 tons. So even at forty six thousand tons, they only had to have the same number of lifeboats as a ten thousand ton ship, and so uh, th- th- legally they had actually four more lifeboats than was required. But after the Titanic sinking, they they, they changed the rules on that. So and th- th- there was a another kind of a, a debate as well as the as the Titanic was sinking. There was a, a nearby ship, the Californian and their, but, but however their radio operator had gone to bed at midnight and so by the time the titanic uh what was it uh fired up the uh, the distress rockets they had, they the radio operator had well i guess the distress calls i don't think the first distress calls went out until after midnight so that's why the californian uh, wasn't there, even though I think statistically, it was the closest ship. Although there, there were, there was talks though, uh, when the Titanic was sinking that some people reported seeing a light on the horizon of a, of a possible ship that could have come to their rescue, but it quickly disappeared. So yeah, that's just some of the, uh, I don't know, I've always been fascinated with the sinking of the Titanic. So that's some of the things that I wanted to, uh, to mention uh, during our interview with uh, Deanna Ryan Meister, president of the Titanic Society of Atlantic Canada. So, uh, let me see. What else do I have here? We have a few minutes left. Um, All right, how about this? (laughs) Robot vending machine cooks your burger for you. Would you eat a burger made by a robot vending machine, Robo Burger, which can cook a beef burger in six minutes can be found in Newport Center Mall in New Jersey the company that makes RoboBurger hopes to install the device in airports colleges offices and more RoboBurger gives everyone freshly grilled delicious burgers while ensuring a safe contactless experience I, is that is that really a thing i don't desire to have a, a burger eaten out of a vending machine. When my wife and I were in Vegas the first time, there's a vending machine there that you can buy a cupcake out of. And we did it just for the novelty of it, but it wasn't that good. (laughs) How good could a cupcake out of a vending machine taste, but you know, (laughs) when in Vegas, right? Beth, go ahead. Hello, Beth.
1: Hi, um, I didn't necessarily want to comment about the the hamburger from the vending machine, That's but I fine. thought I would tell you that I was uh, fortunate slash unfortunate to be born sixty years to the day that the Titanic sank. Oh wow!
0: So, do you feel that your birthday is uh, sometimes overshadowed by that news story that pops up every year? Or?
1: uh not really, no, because it was like sixty years afterwards. Mm-hmm. But um, my Grandmother, who lived to the ripe old age of 103, was two when the Titanic sank. So, okay. obviously, she wouldn't remember. But throughout the years, she would remind me. So,
0: all right, cool. Thanks for the call, Beth. <laughs> You're welcome. Have- Great. And I, well, sorry, <laughs> I cut you off there. Uh, another thing too that our, our guest mentioned is because there there were iceberg warnings. And why didn't some of those warnings reach the captain? Well, at the time, the radio operator on the ships weren't employees of the shipping companies. They were actually employees of the radio company. And so their primary duty was actually to have... Passengers communicate with loved ones back on shore, and things like iceberg warnings became secondary. Uh, Patty, you have a fact about narwhal tusks. Is that right?
7: Yeah, just a little thing. Hello? hello. Oh, there you are. Sorry. Yep, yep. Um, Just I've watched and I collect antiques uh, most of my life, but um, I've seen them on some shows where they're quite valuable and quite collectible, if you can get a hold of a narwhal tusk.
5: Hmm.
7: Um, and I don't know where, but obviously uh, Inuit or someone in that region probably, I'm sure. But they always say how valuable and um, collectible they are. Um, and they come, like you said, they're, they can be huge. Um, and I don't know if they carve them or they just keep them. Hmm. Well, not really there, but anyway... That was just, I've, heard, I've seen it on a couple of antique
0: collectible shows. All right, cool. All right, thanks a lot, Patty. Huh. There was, uh, what was it called? Um, it's on PBS. That, that, that ant- maybe it'll be on one of those PBS shows with the antiques. Anyway, uh, time now for the uh, afternoon news with Aaron Anderson and Paul McPhee. This has been Kitchener Today on City News 570.